Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I just feel like God's going to work here, even in a greater measure. Praise God, praise God. Luke chapter 12, beginning in that 22nd verse. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. And God, and God, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowl? David said, I've never seen the righteous. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Let me interject this right here. I hope you're not in a big hurry. I'm not. Uh, Some of you are carrying things that you should never carry. Some of you are bearing things that you should never bear. The only thing that I find in this word that Jesus told us to bear was the cross. Everything else we cast upon God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh God, oh God, oh God. And which of you be taken thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. If I may, I want to preach a little while this morning on God's look at humanity. God's look 
at humanity. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to flow here, shall we? God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love and your mercy, your goodness and your kindness. Thank you, God, for the spirit of God that has filled this place. And God, even as the pastor has said, God, let us go beyond the challenge state and be changed this morning. For I know and I feel in my spirit, God, that you have come to do just that. And I am praying, God, that we, as a group of people, collectively and individually, God, that we will accept that change that you have for us. My God, I'm asking for transformation and we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that's due unto your holy and precious name. Look at your neighbor this morning and tell them you're important to God. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. When we begin to look at Luke chapter seven, we come to an understanding that God's eyes are upon everything. If I back up to verse six, the scripture declares to me that if the sparrow falls, God sees it. Verse seven tells me that I'm so important to God that he knows how many hairs I have upon my head. Now to most of us that really doesn't matter but to God it does. I'm telling somebody in this house, I'm talking to some saints right now, uh, if you're walking in the valley low, uh, God knows where you're at uh, and he knows what you're going through uh, and I've come to tell you uh, that he promised uh, he'd never leave us, uh, he'd never forsake us. Uh, he said, Lo, uh, I'll be with you always. You'll never find another companion or another friend who will stick with you like Jesus will. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. We've heard this many times and if you may indulge me to read it once more. One night I had a dream. I was walking along the beach with the Lord and across the skies flashed scenes from my life and in each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One was mine and one was the Lord's. But when the last scene of my life appeared before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand and to my surprise, I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there was only one set of footprints. 
And I noticed that it was at the lowest and the saddest times in my life. I asked the Lord, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I do not understand why you left my side when I needed you the most. The Lord said, my precious child, I never left you uh, during your time of trial uh, where you see only one set uh, of footprints. Uh, I was carrying uh, you. Uh, let me tell somebody uh, that God uh, is always by our side. I remember a precious saint of God who had lost her companion. They had been married many years. They had worked together, toiled together, raised their family together. Everything that they did was together. And way too soon he was, he was taken. A week went by, two weeks went by, three weeks a month. And one day she walked into her pastor's office and said, Pastor, I'm going through one of the greatest struggles in my life. She said, I do pretty good till the sun goes down. I hate to admit, but I remember as a child growing up, my big brother, some of you may have met him, they took me down into the basement and put me in a box. And he put on this mask and got this great big stick and started stirring in the box and it literally scared the wits out of me. And from that day forward, I had trouble walking out of the house whenever it was dark. I understand part of that. Each and every one of us here tonight, today, has a fear of something. You know what? I could turn a couple of mice loose in this house and we'd see folks move that said they don't move. Bring somebody a spider, we'll see. But she said, Pastor... It's more than I can stand. He said, sister, God's been with you all these years. He ain't gonna leave you now. You know what? Those can be hollow words if you're the one going through the trial. He said, but what I want you to do, when the shadows fall tonight, I want you to fall by your bedside. And I want you to give it to God, even as you've told me this afternoon. She said, I went home that night. I knelt down beside my bed and I began to pray and tell God, 
God, it's more than I can take. Oh, God. She said, I had prayed for some time when all of a sudden I felt a presence. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever, have you ever felt that somebody was looking at you? Oh, and nobody was around and, and yet you feel and you sense and, and she said, all of a sudden, I just knew that somebody was in the room with me. And she said, I turned and in my doorway was an angelic being. She said it was the biggest thing I had ever seen and said it was standing there with a sword in its arm. And it said, fear not, for I have been with you ever since this storm started. I'm, t I'm telling somebody that's how much that God cares for you and I. He's always there. He goes beyond what anybody else would ever do. God's look at humanity. I'm telling somebody it's different from the way that everybody else looks at us. Verse 24, it said, consider the ravens. I remember being in Fort Wayne, Indiana preaching for Pastor White. And he told me about how during the winter time up there that they would have storms and off time they would get three, four foot of snow. That's enough for a lifetime. Give me enough to make snow cream. That's all I need. But the word said, consider the raven. I had a leak in my trailer and I went down to the Ace Hardware to buy some parts. And when we drove up into the parking lot in southeast Missouri, we call them crows. And when I pulled into the parking lot on a light pole there, there was three of them sitting there together. And I pulled up and got out of the vehicle and we went into the store. And when we came back out, they were still there. And I looked at my wife and I said, Honey, you know what those are? And she said, What? I said, Them are city birds. Oh, I know I've lost some of you. In my part of the country, they don't sit there that long. Lest they wind up in a puff of feathers. If some of you folks are, are, are greenies, that, that's your problem. It just so happens I like to hunt. I, I, I 
I said, honey, those are, are city birds. Because in our part of the country, two will eat and one will watch. And when you step out the door, they've already been shot out two or three times. And they ain't going to wait for you to shoot the next time. But the scripture said that God feeds the raven. You know, I'm asking somebody, have you ever seen a barn or a storehouse that the raven has built? Oh, no. You know why? He knows who his heavenly father is. He knows that if the snow comes or if the storm breaks through, that he's going to make it. Why? Because he knows who his father is. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Consider the grass. Have you ever noticed we can come in on, on a new construction site? You don't even have to plant grass. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't know what a riding mower was. All we had was a push mower. And my daddy designated me as the push E. And I remember growing up and I, I, I told my dad, I said, I hate mowing grass. I said, if I ever get my own place, I'm going to pour it in concrete and paint it green. But the scripture says that God is concerned about the grass of the field. Oh. He said, consider the lily. And I'm telling somebody here, there isn't any more beauty than that of a flower. Woo. I'm telling somebody because it understands who its architect is. Oh, and with that, I come to you and ask you uh, if God is so concerned uh, about the raven, uh, the grass of the field, uh, and the lily, uh, how much more concerned uh, is he uh, about you, uh, his prized creation? God, I've come to tell somebody uh, that he's walked in here this morning uh, because he loves you. Woo, lift up your hands and love him with me, church. You're important unto God. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11 through verse 14. The writer Matthew begins to share with us the reason for revival. Yes, he does. Because in verse 11, the scripture speaks unto us, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was 
lost. That's the bottom line. That's why we have church. That's why we have revival. It's not just to come and see Pastor McGee, although that's your obligation. God walks in to seek and to save that which is lost. My God, my God, my God. He's reaching for the backslider. He's reaching for the down and out. He's reaching for that which is lost. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine? Ha! And goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray. My God, he's reaching for the backslider here today. He's reaching for the sinner today. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which were not astray even so it is not the will of your father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish it's been a few years ago I was preaching for brother Tolano and in the middle of one of our services there was a young lady sitting on the right hand side about four pews back she, uh, she looked at me like I was strange. I don't understand that, do you? Oh, you had the right answer, thank you. And she sat there and she looked. And she looked some more. I got through preaching, we had the the altar service and after it was all over with we went to Johnny's Pizza we were sitting there eating pizza when Nisha walked in she sat down at the table next to us and we began to converse and she said I am a Hinduist I am a follower of Sai Baba she said I do not want you to think that I was disrespectful. She said, but I do want you to know that I felt something tonight that I have never felt in a Hinduist temple. I said, Nisha, let me tell you You've just begun on a journey where God wants to bring to you truth. <laughs> I want to tell somebody, and you need to hear me this morning, God will do whatever it takes to bring revelation of truth unto you if you will open up your heart and your mind and say, God, i got to be saved. Why? Because God doesn't look at you and I like everybody else does. Woo! 
now I feel the Holy Ghost. Some of us have marked individuals off, but God hasn't. It was a night or two later, she came back and fell into the altar and repented of her sins and we baptized her in the precious name of Jesus Christ for the remission of her sins. We ended that revival and we went on down the road and Nisha began her walk. Some time went by and she had never received the Holy Ghost. She got discouraged and told her pastor, she said, Brother Toledo, do you know anybody who was ever a Hinduist that received the Holy Ghost? And he said, Nisha, I, I don't. She said, well, I just believe that if I could meet somebody that it would build the faith in me to believe because she said, I, I don't know. You can't tell me anybody. Brother Delano said, I felt so impressed when she got ready to go back to LSU that I had some tapes of Because of the Times. And he said, I, I just took and put them in a bag and said, Nisha, I want you to listen to these. Ah. Nisha said, I got on that interstate, headed back to college, and I reached inside and pulled out a tape, and I stuck it in my tape player. And she said, I went on down the road, and, and finally, there was a lady by the name of Vonnie Marshall who began to give a testimony of how she once was a hen. Oh, you know where I'm going. She said, I, I begin to cry and I begin to say, God, you cared enough that you've given me a testimony. You've given me what I need to receive. A few nights later, she lifted her hands and God gloriously filled her with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. God will do whatever's necessary. I preached for a, pa a precious pastor in Forsyth, Georgia. Brother Calls, he told me, he said, Brother Shepherd, wasn't raised Pentecostal. My family attended a denominal church. He said, but around the age of 17, there was a revival going on at the first Pentecostal church. I had some friends in school that invited me and I went. He said the first night, I couldn't help it, God got a hold of me. He said I'd felt more there that one night than I'd felt in all of the years of going where we went. Ah. 
He said, I repented of my sins. He said, I went home and told my mom and dad. And he said, chaos broke out. He said, they looked at me and said, Mike, you've got all the church you need. And he said, I was torn between what I felt and what my parents had told me. He said, they didn't ban me. They didn't tell me I couldn't go back. But I could tell they were very displeased with that which I was trying to do. He said, the revival went on and I missed a few nights. And he said, uh, one day uh, I was thinking about going back that night uh, when he said I got off from work. I, I worked in a local grocery store bagging groceries. He said, I got off from work. My mind was still in turmoil. I was praying, saying, God, what do I do? Where do I go? What's right? What? I'm asking somebody. Many of us have been at that point. What is truth? And he said, as I started home that day, a storm began to brew. And he said, by the time I got to my house, it was pouring. The wind was blowing, the lightning was flashing. We was having a thunderstorm. And he said, I sat in the driveway talking to God about what I was gonna do that night. And he said, as I sat in my car, all of a sudden, there was a voice. He said, Brother Shepherd, it was a literal voice. Spoke to me from the back of my vehicle and said, move your car. And he said, I turned around and there's nobody in the car. And he said, I was beginning to wonder if my mind was playing games on me. And he said, I had no more than thought that when he said the second time there was a voice that spoke to me and said, I said, move your car. And he said, I hit the ignition switch uh, and I backed up about 50 yards. Uh, and he said, when I did, the big old oak tree in our yard fell right where I had been. And he said, when I put it in park, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, I wanted uh, and I have saved your life uh, and now I want to save your soul. He said, I went back to revival uh, and God filled me uh, with the precious gift uh, of the Holy. My God, I feel like somebody uh, is at that point uh, and that place uh, where God uh, wants to do a miracle. He I'm telling somebody, God will do whatever it takes if you'll be honest with him. Somebody needs to understand here this morning. When you read about creation, God spoke everything into existence except one thing. 
and you and I have a touch of the master's hand. He created us. He could have spoken us into creation, but he made us. We are a hands-on project. That's how much, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling somebody, you haven't run too far and you haven't done too much. I've come to... I've come to tell somebody uh, that God uh, is reaching for you today. God made us in his own image. That's how important you and I are to him come to ask somebody I know in our day and age we've got a value system that we put on individuals I've come to ask somebody is it what we're made of is it based on our job title or who we are in the community is it determined by what we can do or what we can't do I know in our system that it is but I'm telling everybody in this house that God loves you so much that he walked in here to remind you you're his you belong to God you were made by him and for him and you'll never get away from that What gives you and I a sense of significance and worth is that we belong to God and nothing else matters. The enemy will tell you you've gone too far and there is no hope. Do you realize that worldwide there is almost one million people that kills themselves each year. And the number which exceeds the death toll from murder and war may hit 1.5 million by 2020, notes the World Health Organization. Folks, I've come to tell somebody that you're more important than that. The enemy wants to tell you you're worthless, but I come to tell you you've been redeemed. I've come to tell you that somebody hung on an old rugged cross and bled and died that you might live. I said and listened to the news. It's been several years ago. Paul Harvey was given an account of a man in Florida who had been diagnosed with cancer. And because of his lifestyle, he looked the judge in the eye and said, just let me die. 
Daryl Strawberry knows what it's like to have fortune and fame. He knows what it's like to play for the New York Yankees when they won the World Series. But he also knows the stench of drugs and a lascivious lifestyle that done him in. And he looked at the judge and said, just let me die. And I sat at the dinner table that afternoon and I began to weep and I said, honey, I would to God I could walk into that jail and tell Daryl Strawberry there's hope. There's hope. Let me tell you, Daryl, about somebody that died for you and you may have gone the wrong way, but he's still standing with open arms and nail-scarred hands saying, I love you. Somebody's got to understand here today. There are no big eyes and little use. Because at Calvary, the ground is level. You didn't hear me. I said at Calvary, the ground is level. And this morning, God's reaching for somebody. Oh, I could put an S on that because there's somebody's in this house that God is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. In closing this morning, Bob lived in Downey, California and he loved to go to yard sales, junk sales, flea markets. If you like that, that's fine. That ain't my cup of tea. If it's your junk, I don't need it. Got enough of moan. But Bob said, I, I got up that Saturday morning and I'd looked at the newspaper and I got all the addresses and I began to go to those yard sales. He said, I finally walked into a garage over in the corner. There was an old canvas that had something covered up and he said, I'd looked at everything else and I went over there and I, I pulled the cover back and underneath the canvas was an old Harley Davidson motorcycle in about a hundred pieces. And he said, I looked at the man and said, would you sell the bike? He said, sir, I guess I would. He said, I, I bought it, placed it in the corner the motor seized up. I've got all the parts, but he said, I, I'm never going to do nothing with it. Bob said, I looked at him and said, 
would you sell it? He said, he looked at me and said, well, yeah, I'd sell it. He said, uh, they'd probably give me $35 at the junkyard. And he said, I'll give you 35. And he said, I gathered the old bike together and I took it and put it in my garage. And he said, in a few days, I called the Harley dealership. And he said, I gave them the serial numbers, the make and the model. And he said, the man on the other end said, sir, I can't find this bike. He said, give me your phone number and I'll call you back in a few days. He said, I hung up and I began to wonder if I'd done the right thing. He said, maybe, he said, my mind began to play games. Maybe it's hot. Maybe it's stolen. Maybe, the, maybe hell's angels is coming to get me. But he said, in a few days, the phone rang. And he said, a man on the other end of the phone said, are you the man with the bike? He said, are you sure these serial numbers are right? To which the man replied, yes, sir. They're correct. He said, well, go out and check it again. And he said, pry the seat off and see if there's any numbers or words written on the bottom of the seat. And he said, when I came back in, he said, sir, the numbers are right. And he said, engraved on the seat is two words. He said, what are they? He said, it just simply says, the king. He said, sir, there was only one of those bikes made. And it was made for Elvis Presley. And he said, I have been authorized by Harley Davidson to offer you $300,000 for the bike. You know what, folks? It wasn't the bike. But it was to whom it belonged. Some of you have walked away from him, but you can't get away from him. You were purchased at Calvary, and it don't matter what you've done, and it don't matter where you go. He's standing here this morning with nails scarred. I would to God somebody would get up out of the seat right now and run to this altar. Why? You're not your own. Sir, what are you waiting on? Brother Shepherd, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to. Brother Shepherd, if you only knew, I don't have to know. Because I'm telling somebody that God loves us so much that it don't matter where we've been. <laughs> oh, come on. 
get up out of that seat, friend, because God doesn't look at you like everybody else does. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.